Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello and welcome to Build Your Dreams, Live Your Sparkle After Betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle and we're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to cover a lot of really fun and important ground too. We're going to talk about what to do. And when I mean what to do, you're probably thinking, what do you mean what to do? We're going to talk about what to do when you have questions that you really can't answer, what to do when you have that feeling inside of you and you're like, I just need to know more. And I don't know what it is that I even necessarily need to know more about, but I know there's more out here and I know there's more to life than this. And I want to know it. We're going to talk about what to do when you're seeking and what that might look like and how to do it. And today's guest is a seeker himself. His name is Stephen Shaw, and he grew up in South Africa. He began having some pretty unusual experiences early on, like clairvoyance by the time he was about 15. And he committed himself to fully explore spirituality to find some of those answers. Some of those answers that I was talking about earlier when you're just like, oh my gosh, there's, there's more. He was heavily influenced by the pragmatic, I can't, I can never say this, pragmaticism of his father. He journeyed deep into all aspects of life, including military service, university marriage, and running a business. But by the time he was 39, he realized that his current life wasn't enough. Amen to that. How many of us have been there? He still sought answers. It was at that point that he actually gave up everything he knew, including his business and his marriage. And he spent the next decade learning from shamans in Africa, Peru, and Mexico, Tibet, all of these different places until he finally found what he was seeking, who we really are, the true nature of life, and how to live in deep fulfillment, love, and peace. Since then, he's written 12 best-selling books and 10 novels that have got a lot of that spiritual teaching in them. So we are going to take a deep dive into all of that and more with Stephen Shaw. Welcome to the show. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so excited. I just want to dive right on in. Where I want to start, though, is your seeking, your constant questioning. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like? I think some people are born seekers. And I think some people become seekers later on in life. Uh, for me, I had, a, I had a bit of a tough childhood, and it's important to be authentic. My mother had bipolar disorder, 
and the first five years of my life were quite tumultuous. Uh, it was mostly emo uh, emotional tumult and, and the challenge of no stability and security. Um, by the time I was five, I lost my mother, which had some positives and some negative effects. And I spent my childhood with my, my dad. Uh, my dad was a fantastically pragmatic person, very scientific, somebody who believed that when you die, you die, and that's the end of life. And in a way, that actually was a blessing. I, I look back now, I've got a philosophy in life, uh, one of my many philosophies, and it says, if you're going to blame someone, blame them fully. Blame them for all the positive and for all the negative. So when I look back, I can blame my dad for being stoic and not very emotional, not very loving, but also... His pragmatism served me really well, because as I went out into life and got older and older, I met a range of incredible spiritual teachers around the world. And because my father taught me to be so pragmatic and so um, critical, I could apply that to everybody I met. So I wasn't able to be manipulated easily into some naive belief. My philosophy was always, show me. Show me what you could do. I don't want ideology. I don't want beliefs. And that was a massive blessing. So I was able to make rapid acceleration in, in spirituality and seeking uh, through traveling the world for 10 years. I mean, I went through the normal, you know, the joys and challenges of life, like yourself and many other people. I've been in relationships where I was severely betrayed. And that again, I turned around and said, what did I learn from this? And how could I blame them for the positive, not just the negative? So in all these life experiences, I've come away saying, what can I learn? What can I change? What can I do differently? And so I think uh, it's been, I've kind of meandered a bit from the original question, but I think it's really important. <laughs> I think it's really important because these, these life lessons, you know, spirituality is in danger of just being new age cliches or religion, which puts you in a, in a box and, and, and cages you. I think it's important that we have a number of tools and strong skill sets to apply to life. And some of those things are based in real world things, psychology, as well as spirituality. The idea is that you can get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, hopefully sooner or late, sooner than later, and have a fantastic skill set. What you use, I guess, man talk is have a toolbox where you can pull out what you need and apply it to every situation to hopefully spend the predominance of your days and weeks and months in joy and peace and bliss. Okay, I'll stop here and give you another chance to ask a question. <laughs> No, very, very well said, because you were spot on when you said, and I'm, you know, paraphrasing it, that the danger of some of the new age teaching or the religious teaching is that it's just, just trust me, just believe me, just listen to this. And this is all you do. And I love how you talked about prove it to me, prove it to me, because, you know, as a background, my background is I was a corporate attorney and I need proof, show it to me, where's the evidence and there is so much there, whether it's in spirituality or new age stuff or religion or whatever it is, there is proof all around us. And sometimes people think incorrectly that it has to be all of one way or that it has to be all of the other way. When in reality, it's both. We have miraculous things happening all the time and we have very cause effect things happening all the time. So I appreciate that you talked about all of that. I think one of the reasons why my books were bestsellers, and I mean, I'm 
beyond grateful for that. You know, I think there are thousands of people who write a book and it disappears and they have a regular job. My books became bestsellers, I believe, because I wrote 10 of them as novels, because I think people like to read something they can, you know, disappear into and stories are great teachers. But I made sure in each story I weaved in these various life skills, these spiritual skills and so forth. So the books are engaging and intriguing and pull you in, but they also teach you along the way, which is a very comfortable way to do things. But I believe the reason why they became best-selling books is because I had teachings that were so pragmatic and so real-world oriented. They weren't simple things of sitting down, crossing your legs and saying a mantra. Now, I'm not knocking meditation, for example. Meditation is a powerful tool, and it's a stepping stone for different spiritual states, for reducing anxiety, helping with depression, and so forth. Absolutely valuable. But I have tried to take all my skills as a psychologist from studying in, at university for seven years, going through real world work, military service, jobs, launching my own business, struggling, doing different things in life, and going through a, a range of interesting relationships. I mean, one of my greatest teachers, I think, was my first marriage. And I don't want to be authentic here. I think there's nothing more valuable in life than being authentic and genuine. People need to know what we're all about, and there's no point in hiding behind things and pretending to be what we're not. So I got married when I was 21, very young, very naive, and I'd never resolved the problems of my mother and then my lack of mother. So I cannot say I went in there, you know, in the, in the perfect kind of state. I had my issues. I hadn't resolved them, and she definitely had her issues, issues too. And within one year of being married, I found her and my best friend together in bed which you can imagine for someone who already had trust issues and hadn't quite worked out the love thing, it put a knife in my heart and twisted it around and it left me as massive, massive trust issues, questioning what friendship was about, what love was about, what marriage was about. But the huge blessing of that, apart from the fact, sure, I had sadness and grief and so forth, is that I turned around and decided, apart from spirituality, which I've been seeking since I was young because I had these clairvoyant states, I was going to really understand love and relationships. And I had, it was a massive blessing for me. So I plunged into books, seminars, uh, more and more relationships and kept on learning. And I discovered that the most important thing in life and in relationships is love. And now that doesn't sound so spiritual, but I realized as every year went by that the most spiritual thing in the world is love. And it's not love for other people because I understood after a long, long time that unless you love yourself fully and completely, you cannot really love other people and you cannot bring love into your relationships. So that kind of old cliche is that you can't love other people unless you love yourself is so true. Mm -hmm. But love itself is also a very vague term. It is. And that's what I was wondering is if you yeah. could give us a definition of that, because some people are like, I love coffee. I love chocolate. If you loved me, you'll do everything I want. People have a very confused sense of what love is and what it means to love and be loved. Yeah. Love has always been something really vague and confusing. And the longer you experience life and the more you have different relationships, the more you have to really put it apart and unpack it. And I've come partly because of spiritual experiences, which are outlined in a few of my books, profound experiences, including the awakening experience, and partly through these different relationships, real world, beautiful romantic relationships uh, with various women. I come to understand that the number one word 
when it comes to love is acceptance. First of all, it is accepting who you are completely. Because what does love mean? It is acceptance. And then along with acceptance, it is embracing. So it's unpacking all of who you are, which means how your body looks, how your mind works, your quirks, your personality, your shadows, every single thing about you. And the longer you live life, the more you realize that you can only be who you are. You are what you are. We're all born with different genetic predispositions and things that happen from childhood. And some people will say past lives as well. You are, for me, I understand that you are nothing more than a unique flower. There are thousands of different kinds of flowers on the earth. So why try to be another flower? Why try to be a rose for somebody else in a relationship? If you are a daffodil or a carnation or a lotus, you have to understand 100% who you are and unpack that and accept that and embrace that. And that can come through things like loving practices and meditation. It can come through therapy. And it comes through, through psychedelic practice too. If you go to a shaman in, in Peru, for example, which is amazing. I must circle back to that experience, by the way. So the longer you have these experiences of really seeing this is who I am, how I'm made up. Now, just because I am what I am doesn't mean I can hurt other people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the two most important things in love is acceptance and kindness. They're both critical. So I'm going to accept who I am completely, every aspect, every dimension of me, the way my body looks, the way my mind functions. If I'm more quiet, if I'm louder, I'm more an introvert, extrovert, if I'm more athletic or academic or artistic or musical, I'm going to accept that. But when I'm in a relationship, I would accept the other person too and make sure there's a lot of kindness going on. Mm-hmm. So another thing that's important to just go on with the kindness is when you're in a relationship, accepting another person doesn't mean you have to tolerate bad behavior. And a lot of us do that. Yes. And that is such a fine line. And I'm really glad you went there because I know a lot of the listeners in my show struggle with that. I am being kind and I'm, and I'm being loving, but where do I end and they begin and, and what is their mistake because they're growing and learning and where it's hard. And not only in relationships, in politics, in, you know, all of the brutality that's happening in the world. It's just, it's hard. How much do we tolerate? What is kind, compassion, understanding? We all make mistakes, do better next time. And whoa, boundary, big boundary violation. My simple philosophy is that I will love you, but I won't tolerate bad behavior. That's simple as that. So if I'm meeting someone, I don't care if they're black or white. I don't care about their gender. I don't care about their sexual orientation. Totally not interested. All I care about is that you, like me, are a piece of God, a piece of light, something beautiful. So I will approach you with love and respect off the bat. That's acceptance. But if you act in a way that's harmful to me or to other people, that I will not tolerate. And that is, I mean, in a simpler way, that's why we have, for example, um, you know, laws and so forth. But there's a lot of, well, okay, we're meandering everywhere now, which is great. There's a lot of things that you look outside and it's painful. I live in Los Angeles which I love, by the way, and I live on the ocean. Right now, I'm looking out my huge lounge window and I see the ocean and I see the beach. Beautiful. But when I walk on the beach, I'm going to be honest with you, there's often oil slicks in the water. And there are black marks on the beach. That is painful. And it's more painful not because it's hurting me and feeling like, wow, I don't like having a dirty beach. I think what's going on inside of the ocean, what's happening to the dolphins, which are swim by here the whole time. They are swimming in this oily, sticky water, and it's really sad. So I agree. 
between certain politicians and certain politics and certain uh, unpleasant racial situations we have around the world and in America and the way we're polluting the oceans and the air, those things are not tolerate, uh, tolerable. Tolerable? We mm -hmm. don't tolerate those things, yeah. So as much as I love everyone, everyone equally, absolutely love and I'll treat everyone with respect, I absolutely agree with you that in certain relationships, we say, sorry, we don't tolerate that. And sometimes we might have to say, I'm going to exit. We can say to our partner, look, these are my needs. I, I have needs in this relationship and I know you can't fulfill all my needs. That's why I have friends and I have social activities and I go to the gym or whatever, but certain needs are required in a relationship and certain needs are what we call intimacy needs. And that's required for a partner to fulfill. And if they can't do that, you could say to a partner, look, this is what I need. And I'm hoping you will be able to step up and also evolve like I've evolved, give them time. But at a certain point you have to say, it's not working. I'm going to have to exit. And I think, Part of love is saying, I love myself enough to say, this is not enough for me anymore. It's not enough. I can't accept this. And loving yourself enough is knowing when to exit a relationship. You know, you, you can give and give and give, but you also have to say, this is what I need in a relationship. So there's an exit point for every relationship, for sure. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It is about loving yourself enough. And it's also about knowing yourself enough. And I think some of that seeking, you know, we talked about a lot of that external seeking, but a lot of that is the internal seeking as well. Seeking to understand what are my needs? What are my desires? Who am I? And how can I do that with you and your needs and your desires? I think spirituality and love mixed together beautifully at this point. And it's hard to actually separate the two things. So when I went down to Peru, I think I was about 41, 42. I got to a point when I was 39, when I was kind of desperate. I'd worked extremely hard academically and achieved incredible results in, in my university degrees. I worked hard to evolve and change myself and I'd grown and I've been to the seminars and read the books. I've done everything. You get to a point sometimes in life where Things are good, but they're just not where they're supposed to be. You're not fulfilled. You haven't found all the answers and so forth. And part of me was saying, you know what? I'm going to give up everything. I close. I didn't close my business. I just let everything go. I let go of the reins. I was married for the second time in that time to a really wonderful woman. So when I walked away from that marriage, it was because I needed more, not because she was difficult. She was a wonderful woman. So I gave my entire house, my fully paid for house, property, everything I had, and gave it everything, left everything there for her, partly because I felt so bad about everything, because the first marriage was a disaster. The second one was great, but it wasn't enough for me. So I just said, I'm starting fresh, and I started everything all over. Anyway, so I, I started traveling around the world. And because I was desperate, it was wonderful. Here's, a, here's another blessing. Desperation can be good sometimes. I was desperate, so I was open to everything. For once, I said, you know what? Whatever comes, I'm going to say yes to not in a way that's going to harm me or something as stupid. I still have my pragmatism and my critical thinking. But I went down to Peru, for example, amazing place. I went to Cusco and I met a shaman. Now, I don't do drugs. I want to be clear about this. I, I've never touched any hard drugs. I believe they are dangerous and harmful and, and really not going to help anyone. Never touched drugs. And I got up to the age of 41. I'd never done a drug, partly because I lived in a conservative society in South Africa, partly because my dad was crazy strict, all sorts of reasons. But... I was a total virgin in terms of anything in terms of those kind of altered states. So I land up in Peru and I meet an incredible shaman, luckily a beautiful female, which is the kind of energy I needed. And not even that, the shaman bizarrely was South African 
who had left an abusive relationship many years ago, traveled to Peru, somehow managed to convince a shaman, male shaman, to teach her how to become a shaman, which is unprecedented. So here we got a South African female, one of the first ever female shamans in, in Peru. So I meet her and she introduced me to something called the San Pedro cactus. And if you're interested, the secret weapon inside the cactus is called mescaline, which has been used for thousands of years in many cultures. It's amazing. It's in peyote as well. So I thought, I'm going to try it. So I drank a full glass of this mescaline, which tastes like, um, like, I guess, like cactus, but like egg yolk consistency. So when you're drinking, it's kind of like, oh, kind of weird. It doesn't make any nauseas. There's no side effects. It's absolutely super safe. And, uh, and I had her energy looking after me. Mm. So I'm sitting in this gorgeous garden in Peru. And within 45 minutes, this, this, this thing just hits me in a way I can't explain. I'm sitting there quietly in the garden and suddenly I'm crying. I'm crying like I've never cried in my entire life. I'm sobbing, I'm grieving. I must've cried for about an hour. Somehow this beautiful cactus, which the shamans say is a loving spirit, which I agree with now, went through my whole being and shed all my sadness and my grief. And then the next hour was some sort of therapy where I wasn't hearing anything, but I just knew things about myself. I had these incredible insights about who I was, the mistakes I'd made, tremendous self-insight. When I look back now, as a psychologist, I realized I was having probably two or three years of therapy in two hours, which actually blows your mind. Now, again, I want to emphasize, I don't believe drugs are the answer, but certainly there are some psychedelics used for thousands of years that are only natural forms of plants used by many cultures to help people heal and transcend. So the work I do these days is focused on two key areas, which is healing and transcendence, because the more I travel around the world, dealing with all sorts of different plants and shamans and lamas in Tibet. Tibet, by the way, is wow. I mean, Tibet, if you're a spiritual person, you have to go to Tibet. It is the most peaceful, beautiful, tranquil place you could ever imagine. It's so full of beautiful energy. You just transform by being there. So all these different skills and energies and, 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 and plants that I experienced transformed me, taught me the depths of love, taught me about who I truly am, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. They showed me all of who I was, taught me how to love myself deeply, and then bring that to other people. You had an amazing experience and an incredible opportunity to be able to do that because what I'm hearing is you had this need inside and then you made the choice and that you were able to go do that. We've got a lot of listeners in the show who think like, one day this will be great. I, I will have the opportunity to do that. And then some disaster strikes. But now they're left with kids at home, with bills to pay, with, and they feel very, very stuck and very trapped. And it's like they want to do that and they want to have the experiences and they want to transcend and they want to heal. But ah, uh, life is just raining, you know, down on them all around. And I know you know what that's like too. Do you have any insight or words of wisdom for people who were like, 
yes, I want to do that, but I can't. And I also don't want to wait for 15 more years until the kids leave home. Oh, absolutely. And this is the reason why I write the books. I know people are sitting around the world, sitting at home. Some people can't afford to go anywhere. Plus, we're going through some interesting, challenging economic times right now. And that seems to be a cycle that happens every so often. So that's why I wrote the books. I've written books that are focused specifically on spiritual states and specifically on love. I'm going to say that my, my favorite book is the one I've just finished writing. It's been out now for about a year, I'd say. And that book is called Divine Love. That book is the culmination of all my learnings, all my experiences. And Divine Love is covering a range of issues to do with how to embrace yourself, what kind of techniques you can use, how to, you know, all my books have got meditation practices in. These are things you can do at home. You know what I love about books? And this is one of the reasons why I write books is a book is costing you, who knows, I don't know, $5, $10 is nothing. But if you're lucky, you get a book that's on the sort of the apex of the pyramid. You know, there are thousands of books that are average and there are certain books that are brilliant. And I've got, I've probably got about 30 all-time favorite books, excluding my own books. So there are books out there which will cost you $10 or $5 and they can revolutionize your life. We all know, for example, I probably shouldn't talk about other authors considering it's me being interviewed, but we all know, we all know Eckhart Tolle wrote a book called The Power of Now. Yeah. The Power of Now is going to cost you seven or $8. It's a revolutionary book about mindfulness and being present in the moment. And for many people, that is a powerful technique, especially if you are running for feet, uh, looking after children, trying to hold in a job and have children, going through difficult economic challenges. That is a powerful technique. And I don't want to sit here and try and teach people how to use the you know, the power of now, because Eckhart's done it brilliantly. Amazing. Uh, Totally. You know, so there are these, these, these awesome books out there, which I believe on the apex of the pyramid. So I highly recommend the Eckhart Tolle book, The Power of Now, for example. And in my book, Divine Love, I've covered the key issues and the most pragmatic techniques and tools. I feel like I've written 12 books and sure, I'd love you to read all 12 books, but if, if your listeners only read one of my books, it should be Divine Love. And I've made the hardcover at, at almost the same price as the paperback, as cheap as I could. It means, obviously, there's different margins involved. But because the, the hardcover is so beautiful, it's the kind of thing you want to have by your bed. So I know your listeners can't see this, but I'm holding it up right here. And um, I, actually, um, I actually try to give away free copies whenever I can. I can't all the time because it's a hardcover and it's expensive, expensive to post out. If I see someone meditating on the beach, I leave one by them. If I go around to ecstatic dancing, I leave a few for people and so forth. Um, let me cover divine love first, and then I'll just discuss some free books to help people. So I'll just give you the topics in divine love. I don't want to sort of talk the whole book out. Right. The chapter topics covers positivity and gratitude. Now, these are not theories or ideology. These are practical tools and techniques. I don't like ideology. I don't like belief systems. I like things that work that you can apply immediately in your own home, you don't have to leave home. In fact, before I do this, I see a lot of clients every day, every week. And almost every client, I tell them, you don't have to go to Peru. You don't have to go to Tibet. The nice thing about these practices is once you understand them and you pull out the commonalities and the, 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 the sort of turnkey parts, you can apply these at home exactly as you, as you asked. I like how you started with gratitude on that too, because it is such a simple practice and I practice it and I teach it. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's almost instantaneous. 
Gratitude is huge. It's, it's a massive, massive thing. And gratitude is something you can use to pull yourself out of anxiety as well. If you're feeling really stuck just by having a gratitude practice. And again, I don't want to tout too many other people, but I have to tell you that Tony Robbins, and I should send you the link if you don't have it. Tony Robbins, who's obviously one of the greatest life coaches in the world, he's got this fantastic gratitude practice. It's a video on YouTube, totally for free. And I'll send you the link. You can put it on your, on your website for your listeners. Um, the exercise takes about five minutes and it is led by Tony Robbins. It's a profound combination of NLP and gratitude. And it creates this beautiful state of manifesting your future, of feeling amazing. And it pulls you right out of any anxiety you're having, whether it's economic, financial, struggling with you know, the kids at home, whatever's going on. So that's something for the listeners to think of. Anyway, you can just type in Tony Robbins on YouTube and ask for the gratitude exercise it's, it's absolutely fantastic so i'm just going to put it in there so the, the the divine love covers positivity and gratitude open-mindedness mindfulness and presence need fulfillment we mentioned that earlier you need to know what your needs are and how to get them expressed in a relationship and if you don't have your needs fulfilled you'll start to feel anxiety and depression we also discover self-awareness self-acceptance which are things we've also spoken about earlier in the program and then Big favorites of mine, big favorites, authenticity and boundaries. Now that we sort of mentioned here and there, but I know for sure that you cannot live a life of joy and fulfillment and peace unless you learn to be authentic, first with yourself and then with other people. Yes. Absolutely critical. You yes. just got to be real. And you know why people are not authentic? It's because they live in a world that is foisting on us these judgments and comparisons. I tell people all the time, don't read magazines full of uh, guys with six packs and girls in gorgeous bodies and bikinis. Don't do that. Why? You wake up in the morning. I mean, I sleep naked, right? So the first thing in the morning I get up, I'm going past the mirror. If I had to stop in the mirror and think to myself, oh, where's the six pack? Where's the, where's the muscles? Or some woman has to say, where's my beautiful? That's going to kill you. That's not worth doing. You've got to say to yourself, part of being authentic is stay away from fashion police, comparisons, judgments, any kind of television program that puts out negativity, some of it is so subtle. I also tell a lot of my clients to stop saying, oh my God, I know that sounds crazy, but the reason why is male language is another form that is stopping the divine feminine, which we need on this planet. When you say, oh my God, which generally speaking is about a father figure, mm -hmm. it's pushing male ideology, male language on you. You should say, oh my goddess. If you're gonna say something, or say, oh my gosh, but say, oh my goddess. When a woman comes on stage, which I saw recently on television, and she's going to speak to a huge crowd of women, and she comes on and says, hey, guys, why does she do that? Say, hey, girls, hey, hey, beautiful females, hey, goddesses. So there's all these ways which things uh, create what I call a cage in your thinking. They tell you how to think, how to be, how to act. And this stops from a very early age, from your parents, from your peers, from school. Uh, there's so many things that tell us what to do. That is what stops authenticity. And it, you know, you know what's amazing? When you are born, you are born feeling lovable, worthy, happy, joyful. That's your natural state. Oh yes, and we we yeah. beat it out of yeah. beat it out of kids metaphorically yeah. and yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And it's That's, really yeah, it's really sad. It really is. It's really sad. And what's sad is that. We get to adult life in our 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it is, and we feel that we are not worthy to be loved. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are not good enough. 
And the central thing we hear the whole time and I hate is I am not enough. Mm-hmm. And that is purely because of the conditioning of society. So, but it all ties together. Authenticity, self-love, I am enough. It's all the same thing. And if we can get to this place, that is for me, the greatest spirituality and the greatest form of love is to come to this point where you can say, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. When you get up in the mirror in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror, just say, hey, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's just a body. It's just a vehicle I'm riding while I'm on the earth. It's not who I truly am. Who I am is a spirit inside this body. It's just a body. And it's beautiful. We've all, all got different bodies. We've all got different minds. We've all got different talents. So part of what's in divine love is teaching you how to be authentic. But I must say one thing with this. Very important. Being authentic, when you get the hang of it, you also have to learn how to have boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Because the more authentic you are, the more chance for, I think, abuse by others who don't exactly understand that you're being authentic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The way I feel is this. Be authentic, be raw, be real, be open, be vulnerable, be all that you are, but not with everyone. You need to decide who are you with. Is this person a colleague? Is it a friend? Is it your romantic partner? It depends. So what we do is we have these what I call flexible boundaries. So for some people, I'm all of who I am, like my romantic partner. I mean, I'm married for the third time now. Wow. I did not know you can get into your 50s and have the best relationship of your entire life. No, there's an accumulation of all your learning, all your experience, all your authenticity, all your flexible boundaries. Everything comes together. And so you're totally ready. And you learn how to find the right person because we have these programs running that we deserve this person, or this is what we like to have, or this reminds me of my mother or my father, and all this nonsense. Well, At some so point, what you were saying earlier too about like the magazines and things like that. Oh. You see, yeah, the ideal, you know, even tall, dark, and handsome. Uh-huh. What does tall, dark, and handsome have to do with anything? It's mm. not about that. Or you know, she's beautiful. She she can cook. She can clean. She. Whoa, we have such messed up ideas about what exactly. Makes Oh, absolutely. I've got to tell you how I met my partner, right? Just bear in mind that I had a one-year marriage at 21. It was a disaster. It taught me a hang of a lot. I'm thankful for that. Then I had a marriage for a few years in my 20s, which was great, but I left it to find everything I was seeking. Mm-hmm. Painful as well, a hard decision. Now, I'm coming and going to Los Angeles for clients. I'm traveling the world, writing books, but I keep getting phone my clients, and it happens to be in Los Angeles a lot. So I'm coming and going to Los Angeles. So just recently, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in a, a famous health food store in Venice. And I'm looking for some kombucha, which is a brilliant probiotic, good for your colon and so forth. And I had my hands on something called Mystic Mango, a particular flavor. And because I'm clairvoyant, and my, it's so honed and refined now from traveling around the world, working with these teachers, I'm looking at the Mystic Mango and I can feel that my energy field light up. It's almost like you have a spider's web and you can feel the outer edges rippling. I love it when that happens. But the energy field is like, wow, like this is unusual energy field. Just high resonance, bright. And I'm, I'm not looking. I'm just looking quietly at my manga because I like to feel things. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was male, female. I don't know anything about it. But all I know is there's something radical, magical happening. And here comes this energy field next to me. I close my eyes to feel it out. And then I open my eyes and there's this woman, I mean, in her 50s too, like me, right? I was already like, she had me at the energy field, you know? She's got a hand on a kombucha and she's got a flavor called 
guava goddess. And these become really interesting because later on we call each other mystic and goddess, which is interesting. <laughs> oh, this is, and I've got a huge surfboard in our apartment right here that says mystic and goddess emblazoned on the surfboard. So just to go on from what you're saying, that's the, how we met is I hadn't even seen her. I just felt her. And that is beautiful because if you can start to really feel people, and you don't have to be clairvoyant, of course, but start to use your intuition, start to think, who is this person really about emotionally? How do they feel when they're around you? Yeah. And then, of course, I turned around, did something absolutely crazy. And I said to her, listen, your energy field is blowing me away. I don't know who you are. Please, can we just go for a walk? The beach is right here. Let's just go for a walk and talk. And she looked at me like, you know, like for two or three seconds, like, uh-oh. <laughs> and, she, and then she said, let's do it. And we walked down to the beach. We sat on the beach for three or four hours just talking. And it, from that was it. We are now best friends. Imagine, imagine having a romantic relationship where you are best friends. It blows my mind. We are both super authentic. We obviously have fully open boundaries. We are genuine. We are just incredible. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. So I, I want to sort of encourage people out there that if, for example, and I'm not trying to sell my book, but if you read the principles in divine love, practice the tools and techniques, learn them, absorb them, become all that you can be. Because when you get yourself into the space of what I call divine love, for want of a better word, this fully embraced, authentic, loving person for yourself, yeah. you can attract something that's spectacular for you. And you can yeah. have the most relationship of your dreams. And like you just said, it's not about tall, dark, and handsome. It's not about how good somebody looks. It's not about the physical. It's, it's about how do you make me feel inside? Are you meeting my needs? Show me what you've got in terms of this love, you know? Yeah. And you were talking about your ability to tune into somebody else's energy field. And we all have that. Every single one of us out there has yeah. had, you know, the hair stand up on the back of our neck or our ooh, little goosebumps or just been like, oh, I have a feeling about you. We have all had that. So it's not that it's that woo woo that we're feeling somebody's energy. No. We feel it all the time, but it also really helps to clear our own energy to open our own chakras, to be aware, to have all of those pieces. And yes, meditation is one way to do it. And I was hoping you could share maybe a couple other ideas that people could do right now today after the show to maybe line up their chakras a little bit, get themselves in balance a little bit, just so they can start doing what you do, what I do, what so many of us do naturally, start sensing things. Sure. Well, let's just go from what you've said. Every single person on this planet has an intuitive side. It's just a fact. And like somebody can be super academic or super athletic or super musical, some people can be super intuitive, and that's fine. But all of us have these basic dispositions. So there's, there are certain what I call secret weapons that are super powerful, and I do without fail. The first one is, the very first thing I do in the morning, I tend to just jump up in the morning Oh, no, wait. First of all, I always spoon my partner in the morning. That's huge. I spoon her for half an hour and I put a lot of love in there. That's how the day starts. <laughs> that is without fail. The alarm goes off. I make sure she's in a spoon position. I get behind her because I'm always a big spoon. And I love her like crazy. Lots of tactile, lots of love, right? That's how the day starts. That is the number one thing, I believe, for a relationship. Start with a spoon in the morning. Set an extra alarm if you have to. Just get in there and spoon the nuts out of your partner. Anyway, once that's done and the second alarm goes off, I jump up and go straight into the shower. That's how I do. I love a shower in the morning immediately. Now, here's my secret weapon. And I, I always tell everybody to do this. Doesn't matter if you're religious or spiritual or whatever, do this. 
And I tend to do it in the shower. It's just how I do it. It takes me two or three minutes. In the shower, I have what I call a prayer. A prayer is nothing more than a communication to the beings that are above you. Now, we have different names for different beings, depending on your religious perspective, your spiritual perspective. But honestly, they're just beings. I call them beings of light and love. And these are the beings that want to guide you and they want to connect with you. So if you connect with them, they will change your life. And that's, it doesn't matter who you are. So this is the prayer I use. I get in the shower, hot water's running, and I'm saying, and it's important, I'm calling in the highest beings of love and light. I don't want just any beings of love and light. I don't want just somebody who's loving and has left this earth and is in the other world, whatever. I'm calling in the highest beings of love and light. For some people, these might be angels, but we don't have to give them names. They could be the ancestors, whatever, but I want the highest beings of love and light. So I say, I'm now calling in the highest beings of love and light everywhere and every when. And I'm surrendering every aspect and every dimension of my life to you. It doesn't mean I'm giving up my autonomy. It doesn't mean I don't get up every day and do what I need to do, do the work, learn the lessons, read the books. Not about that. It's about this alignment to the beings of love and light. They want to guide you. They want to lead you. They want to bring these radical synchronicities into your, into your path. They bring something into your life called grace points. No matter how hard you work or don't work, sometimes these amazing things happen, like when I met my partner. I mean, how did that happen? That's a grace point. So that for me is a huge thing for, for listeners to do is, and you can change the words as you see fit, but for me, it's like I surrender every aspect, every dimension, every moment, every millisecond of my life to you. Please guide me, please lead me, please teach me, please, please protect me. That takes me two or three minutes every morning. And that is the one thing that I do that is without fail, first thing in the morning, and it works amazingly. When I do that, my life is in this incredible flow. The right people come across my path, the right events, the right circumstances. So I cannot emphasize enough how important it is. And forget about, if you want to call them angels, give them names, that's fine. Some people do. You don't need to. Mm -hmm. That is, might seem like a simple thing that takes two minutes, but it is one of the most powerful things you can possibly do. It's practiced by everyone around the earth, including Tibetan lamas, shamans, they all do that. Right. And, and it's and the it simple things that are the most powerful because... Yeah. Yeah. It, because it's not about who can get on their knees and pray the longest and who can memorize exactly. the longest things. It's about that exactly. your intention. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. making the space for it. I like that you said it's in the shower. It's ritualistic, but it's simple. Yeah, there is a certain place for rituals, provided they are short, succinct, powerful rituals. Like you said, we don't have to pray for hours and do things like that. There's no point. The beings will align with you if you ask them to. They're already there. They're waiting for you. So just do it. Another technique that I use, which I believe is exceptionally important as well, I tend to do this more at night before I go to sleep, if I'm laying there waiting to fall asleep, or sometimes during the day if I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm not going to lie. Once in a while, I get a burst of anxiety or something like that, or something upsets me, or like I'm seeing the ocean polluted or whatever. Something on TV like, really? I, I can't believe that. So we're not going to pretend like, you know, we all like, Every day is perfect. I'm going to say that 90% of my time I'm feeling fabulous, but once in a while I'm feeling annoyed about something. So I've got this technique which goes with this uh, the technique in the morning, and it's, and it's about what I call clearing. Very important thing to do because you are in a vehicle called, called a body, which is no more than like driving a car around on this earth. So you're not a body. Forget about that. You are what I call a light being or a soul or a point of consciousness. So as you're running around this earth, meeting different people, getting exposed to different things, you will sometimes pick up bad energy. That's just a fact. 
Now, you might think it's psychological, but it's not. There's actually real bad energy out there. You can be with someone that we call an energy vampire. These people who tend to suck, suck your good energy away. They are real. We know that. We've seen them. Luckily, they're few and far between. Some of these people are psychopathic people, politicians. Some of them are, unfortunately, a couple of people you might know. So there's the vampire person. Then there's the other person who maybe has got so much going on in their lives and they have very negative attitude and they don't want to come out of it or they're playing the victim card too much and they put the energy onto you as well. Now, let me tell you, misery loves company. So there are those people who do not want to make a change, who don't want to get positive, who will try to pull you in, pull you into their drama, pull, the, pull you into the stuff. That is not psychological. That is a spiritual energy. So every so often, maybe at night when I'm going to sleep or during the day if I'm having one of those wobbly moments, which we all have, I do this practice and it's very simple. It goes like this and your listeners can change the words as they see, as they see fit. I go like this. I say, I pull or I remove or I extract all negative energy, all dark energy, all unhelpful energy, all harmful energy from my total being and my total life. And I send it up to the source or the light or to God, whatever you call it. Such a simple practice. Yes. And I do it with a lot of emphasis and a lot of emotion, a lot of strength. And I do it three times. That's Perfect. it. And you'll be surprised how that practice, which is costing you as well, maybe three minutes, mm -hmm. can suddenly make you feel so much better. Do you realize this was just energy? It wasn't my mind. It wasn't me having one of those moments in my mind. It was just energy. And it's so, so important that it's not blame either. It's oh, totally. Not, it's not yeah. you horrible people who put that on mm -hmm. me. Just mm -hmm. take it off. Take it off. It's, yeah. it's, it's love. It's light. It's sending it to the light. It's not blame. There's no shame in having it. We totally. all get it. Totally. It, yeah. It's just. Absolutely. It's yeah. like washing your, brushing your teeth or washing yeah. your hands. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. And I think. This comes back to loving yourself enough to know when to walk away from a situation, when to protect yourself, when to put a boundary up or to bring it down, and when to clear your energy. That's important. These energy practices, again, they, they are at the apex of the pyramid. These are the things that cost you two or three minutes a day, and we've all got two or three minutes. I'm not going to lie to you. I would struggle to find 40 minutes a day to meditate. And I know meditation is useful. And for most people who meditate, I say to them, try to meditate at least in the morning because you know, you probably can't do twice a day. I do not meditate. You know, I've got to a point where I don't get any benefit from it. You know, you can get to a point where your energy is great and, and so forth. But if you can find these, these key practices that cost you two or three minutes here and there, it can revolutionize your life. Let's also look at the chakras because I love the chakras. Yeah, me I love the chakras. Me. Let me tell you, I didn't believe in the chakras because I was a person who said, I don't want ideology, I don't beliefs. And when I studied Tantra for years with a French teacher who Wow, female French teacher. I mean, that was a whole different experience. Wow, that just blew me away. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't believe in, ten, in, in, in chakras, but I was, it was one of the spiritual practices I want to learn. So I first learned Tantra from a female teacher who was focusing on what I call horizontal Tantra. That's a name I give it. Horizontal Tantra is very valuable for relationships and is all about emotion, sensuality, and sexuality. Absolutely useful. And I'm glad I did that for two years. But that's not what I call real Tantra. Real Tantra is what I call vertical Tantra. Yeah. And that is all about the chakras and the energy and the spirit. So absolutely learn how to have amazing sex and, and stroke your partner and all those things. Absolutely valuable. But vertical Tantra is a whole different thing. It's something most people don't know about. Almost everyone in the West thinks it's Tantra is sex, which is, that's fine. That's cool. But Tantra is about your chakras. And tantric practices correlate beautifully to shamanic practices too. You'll find 
a lot of the top shamans, spiritual teachers, the lamas in Tibet, and the tantra teachers know what chakras are. Ha, huh, interesting. Oh, yeah. But they know what vertical tantra is. And when you go with them, they say to you, right, you've got these seven chakras. And please, for any listeners, please do not get hung up by the range of ideology saying you've got 17 chakras, 108 chakras. It's just too much. You've got seven straight chakras, and that's all you need to know about, all you need to focus on. Because these are the, the key areas of your life, from the base chakra, which is to do with earthly relationships and certain amount of sexuality, the emotional chakra around about your belly button, the power chakra around your solar plexus, which is obviously key because some people have an overdeveloped power chakra and become almost psychopathic. And some people have joined the power chakra to the love chakra. And when love and power are joined, it is profound and beautiful. Then, of course, you've got your throat chakra, learning to find your voice and be authentic. And your third eye, which is intuitive. We spoke about that. And the crown chakra is connecting to the other, other beings, other dimensions, and so forth. So let's forget about ideology. Here's a great practice as well, which I love to do in bed. You can lay down, because most of us take 20 minutes, half an hour to fall asleep, especially if you're running through the day's events. <laughs> this, is all, this, for me, is even better than meditation. Every single person is not only intuitive, but they have the capacity to bring what I call God energy down, or divine energy, or the source of the light, whatever you want. If you use the power of intention, cannot be understated, or is it overstated? Anyway, the power of intention right. is, is it's radical. Important. It's radical. Right. Power of intention is you, you, something, and I've written about this, and I'll, 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 I have a free ebook about this too. Intention controls energy. Whether you're trying to manifest things, or, or help your finances, or deal with your kids, whatever. But for your own chakras, because these control every part of your reality, how you're manifesting reality, how you feel, your blissful states and so forth, you can simply take your hand and set an intention out loud or in your mind that divine energy, I prefer to call it divine energy, but it's God, source, light, whatever. That divine energy will come down from the source into your hand and into your chakra. You put your hand on your chakra. So I will sit at night laying down on my back I put my hand first on my base chakra. And if you don't know what they are, look it up. Google will tell you the chakras. Right. I'm saying that for the listeners. Put your hand on your base chakra and invoke that divine energy flows down into your hand, into your base chakra. And just, just surrender and absorb and intend that it happens. And it will happen. And what happens is, very simply, is divine energy is high-frequency energy. And when a high-frequency energy comes into a chakra, it pushes out low-frequency energy which means it's going to push out wounds, issues, anxieties, whatever's going on in there to do with that particular chakra. And of course, I do this on a much higher level when I'm dealing with clients, but I, I, can, I can mention that just now. But you can do this practice by yourself. Two or three minutes per chakra, pouring in this high-resonant energy, and you might find you feel blissful states, you might feel peace and tranquility and calm, but you might also find as a low-resonant low energy exits, you have experiences like you cry or you feel a oh, huge sigh and so forth. So you have to accept that sometimes it's almost like what appears to be a negative, but it's not, it's just a bad energy leaving. So you can do this every night, every second night, two or three minutes per chakra. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. Or even in the middle of the day, you know, if you've oh, totally. experienced, yeah, if you've had yeah. something yeah. that's hit your heart, you could Absolutely. stop and just yeah. Yeah, refresh. Yeah. Absolutely. If you understand which chakra works with which part of you, you can just hone in on that particular chakra. And a lot of work I do with clients 
is I do tantric work, but I call it vertical tantric shamanic work. So I will sit down with a client, they'll be lying down on a sofa, and I bring it. Now, this is interesting because although we can all do this for ourselves, if you have exposed yourself to insanely high energy, you know, for years with different spiritual teachers, you have a capacity to bring in incredibly high frequency of energy, which is amazing. So when I meet a client, I can kind of blast their chakras, normally about 10 minutes of chakra, and they have radical experiences. So much so that they will sometimes, you know, be screaming, shouting, crying, weeping as low resonance energy comes out. And the energy of the entire chakra is upgraded. You know, it's the whole average frequency goes up, goes high, comes in and lows, goes out. And on top of that, you have a thing called Kundalini, which is, wow. I mean, that is the ultimate, okay? Kundalini is amazing because when you have Kundalini, you are first of all getting all the seven chakras upgraded individually, and then you start to push in this divine energy from the bottom all up the channel. And when you and this takes time, it takes a bit of healing of the chakras and so forth. But when you get it right, you can have these ecstatic, body shaking experiences of pure ecstasy. And let me tell you something: if you think sex is good, wait till you have Kundalini, because sex is about pleasure. And Tantra and Kundalini is about ecstasy. And my partner and I practice Tantra all the time because I'm a Tantric master. And because she's so open and wanting to learn, she learned everything I knew within six months. Thank you. Hallelujah. And now we practice Tantra together, vertical Tantra. So we are often doing Kundalini together, sitting down cross-legged. You can be clothed or not clothed. It makes a difference. Exchanging energy between the chakras and having what's called chakra orgasms. Now, these are not like normal orgasms. You can think about any orgasm you've had and then times it by 50 and then lengthen it you know, from three minutes to like 45 minutes. You can have these chakra orgasms. And when you have a chakra orgasm in your heart, it's like an explosion of love because the heart is about love. Right. So it's not, it's ex ecstasy of love and it, it just blows your mind and it can go on for half an hour, an hour, whatever. You can have different chak chakras exploding. Your third eye can explode. Everyone feels different. Or you can have the Kundalini experience, which is ecstatic experiences, which can go on for, well, I mean, only to a point of exhaustion. You can, you can do it like sometimes an hour and a half. Right. And you just, you just fall asleep from absolute exhausted bliss. So these are all techniques that you can start off by yourself, whether it's the prayer in the shower, or it's the clearing your own energy, or it's practicing to do your own chakras. And the more you do that, you set yourself up for uh, steps up toward God, the source of light, more ecstasy, more bliss, more tranquility and less and less of anxiety states and struggle and so forth. And it's not just that you feel amazing all the time. It's also that you manifest a better reality for yourself because whatever is inside of you will manifest outside of you. Yes. Yeah. And it's that power. It's that power to take, okay, this is life and a lot of things happen and we don't know and we make mistakes and other people make mistakes. And this is how I change it. And exactly. what, yeah. And when I have bad days, we all have bad days, things happen. Okay. Now what am I going to do? I'm not going to move into victimhood. Okay. Well, great. I've been a victim for a week. Now I'm over it. You know, it, it it's that flow and it's that understanding and being able to take it's not necessarily control, but to take action. Take action. I, I, I agree with you totally. I believe you must honor your emotions. If you're angry, be angry and put a time limit on it. If you're sad, be sad. And then after a couple of days, it's enough. Mm -hmm. If you've got grief, that takes a bit longer, sure. But at some point you say, I've had my emotions, let me take action. And I agree with you. So take action. And I, I've written, 
I try and look, I know things are difficult for many people. So even though books are cheap and I've got 12 best-selling books and, and I hope people at least read Divine Love, if nothing else, I've also given out free books. So I've taken my number one best-selling book of all time. I, it, nothing's ever outsold this book. It's called I Am. And I made it for free. So I don't make any money for it anymore. It's my first book and it is the ultimate best-selling book. So it is now completely utterly for free on my website where you see the webpage called Free Books. So that's totally free for anyone and they can send it to their friends. I have no, no problem with that. And also if they follow the link of the Free Books page, they will find other free books that I'm giving out according to the divine. Uh, I put out some books on health and exercise because we have to accept that our bodies are important too. Not how we look, but how we feel. Yes. Health, yeah, absolutely. That's why we do health and exercise. So I put out a total of uh, four, five free books for people. The best I know about health and well-being and my best-selling book of all time and another good book of mine. So two of my 12 books are totally free. And I've also put and out a... Where, yes, where can listeners find? Where I want to make sure that you put your website, you say your sure. website as well. Okay. This is important. You must spell my name with a P-H. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N. So my website has got hyphens in between each word. It is I-M-Stephen-Shaw. S-H-A-W.com. I'll say it one more time. I hyphen M hyphen Stephen hyphen Shaw.com. If you go there, you can find all 12 books and you can find a web page called Free Books, where there are five free books and a special ebook called Life Success Secrets, which talks about vision, intention, many of the things we discussed today. I mean, we've scratched the surface of, of what I'm giving to oh. people. It's all out there for them, and I and I hope people can benefit greatly from, from what I put out, whether it's free or paid, I don't mind, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on his website because it's all this cyclical spiral journey. This is scratching the surface. Some stuff might be totally new to you. Some stuff you may be like, yeah, I do that. But it's always about knowing more, learning more, being more so you can enjoy, so you can feel good and have those ecstatic experiences right now, no matter what is going on in your life. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been amazing meeting you. Likewise, listeners jump on his website and let's continue the conversation. Reach out to me, Laura at laurachetel.com. Reach out to Stephen. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com.